Praise him. Let's give God a great clap also. Worthy of all our praise. Mighty, powerful is our God. You may be seated. It's always a great privilege to be here. So many of my lifetime friends in this church, Pastor Brent and Cynthia Fuller, I can remember the first time coming to Grace Covenant. I think there were 150 people here hiding out in an office park 26 years ago. Jim Critcher and I and his wife, Angie, we've been friends with them 40 years. I could just go on and on. So it's always really an honor coming home. My wife grew up here. She's a Falls Church girl. Um, I'm honestly excited. Uh, Many of you have heard me minister. I've been preaching here 26, 27 years. I can't count the times and... Uh, but I'm asking that we're all going to experience God together. I'm, I'm, I appreciate, I, I have God's word, I know that. But I don't want you just to get a word. I want you to experience the delivering power of God in the situation you find yourself in. Holy Spirit, I thank you. I invite you now to come and creatively empower this word you've given me. I know it's from your mouth. I knew it when you gave it to me. I knew it even more after the first service. So I pray you'd help us. Amen. Amen. I'll be in Acts 16 basically today, beginning in verse 16. I'm all alluding to some other scriptures, but that'll be my main text. I'm going to entitle this message from backlash to breakthrough. Many of you have had a demonic backlash in your life. You felt the attack of the enemy. You say demonic scares you. That's just the, the forces of hell. You say, Pastor Jim, I just feel pinned in today. I've been serving God with all my heart and all my might, Pastor Jim, but man alive, I'm in battle today. I'm just beleaguered today. I want to open up for you today a story from the life of Paul. He was in the center of God's will, there was no doubt. You ever try to figure out God's will? Raise your hand. That had happened to Paul. Is it Troas? Where do I go? What do I do? He had a vision probably while he was asleep and a citizen from the province of Macedonia came over and helped him, called him and said, I got to have you over here. He said, okay, we're going to Macedonia. He and his team descended on Macedonia in the city of Philippi, went out to the place of prayer, met an amazing businesswoman who opened her home and they started a church. And God is beginning to move. And as we come into verse 16, it says, they're going to the place of prayer going to meet with Lydia, going to meet with her team. And we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. Now the word divination there comes from the word python. In the ancient world of the Romans and Greeks, that's a very serious word because the spirit of python takes you back to the Oracle of Delphi. Ever heard of that? It's a place where people would go to seek the wisdom of their gods. And they believe that basically it started with a dragon, a python, if you will. Apollo had killed him. And now you could go there and the god Apollos, a demonic spirit, would basically inhabit the body of a young woman and speak through her. Sometimes only once a year this oracle would speak. Other times once a month. So what's amazing is it's a young girl. We know it's a young girl. Maybe she was 11 or 12. They felt young girls were most sensitive to the demon spirits. She'd been enslaved, trafficked, if you will, 
torn away from her family. Probably not raped or sexually abused because you wanted a virgin. And she, it says, were making her owners much gain. Why owners? Husband, wife? Probably not. Probably a consortium. In slavery in the Roman world, if you had a really talented slave, if you could tell fortunes or teach, you would sell shares in his or her life. And she'd be owned by a consortium of men and women for her gift. And everyone knew she had that Delphi spirit in her. Everyone knew there was something unusual about her. When you read the accounts of the ancients, when these demonic spirits would possess these young girls, sometimes they'd be in seizures, they'd shake. It's the power of the enemy just contorted them. But they're getting rich. They're trafficking her. She brought her consortium much gain by fortune telling. But she began to follow Paul. That girl got around the apostle and she sensed freedom. She'd been ripped away from her family, sold shackled, and now used every day, darkened in pain by demonic fits. She began to cry out, these men, these men are different. These men are servants of God most high, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit. What, what took him so long? Why did he wait? I think Paul realized this was one of those humans. If he moved to see them set free, there'd be a war. You see, we're not aware in the natural of who we're talking to. We're surprised when we just invite someone to church and all of a sudden we're just slapped by something. All of a sudden there's a reaction because the men and women you talk to, maybe they're just divinely called and they're wandering from it. Maybe they're diabolically bound, but you never know as you reach out and just love and try to follow God and help someone what you may be touching. I mean, how many know it's a good deed to set a slave free? It's a good deed. To help a trafficked child. I served on the board of a major anti-sex trafficking move. One of our daughters helped to lead it. I believe in that cause deeply. Finally said, I can't take anymore. I think Paul realized inside, if I touch her, if I minister to her, there's going to be Backlash. And she kept doing it day after day. Paul finally being greatly annoyed. That means agitated. Something in his spirit couldn't take it anymore. He turned and said to the spirit. He turned and said to that pythonic, lying, strangling spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at the very hour. You would think commend him. Give him a medal. I mean, 
He's helped a tormented child. Little we realize some of our acts of kindness, the stands we take, reaching out to people, praying for them, loving our neighbor, all of a sudden, not for some wickedness, but for some act of kindness, reaching out, inviting someone, making a stand, speaking that word, all of a sudden, there's a backlash. All of a sudden, there's a wave when her owner saw their hope of gain was gone. When the group of humans profiting off her soul saw it, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And by the way, they were Roman citizens. You never ever just grabbed a Roman citizen. Why didn't Paul say anything? They brought them to the judge. They said, these men are Jews. They're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept a practice. The crowd joined in attacking them. Talk about a court scene. The judges took off their courtly robes and attacked them as well and gave orders to whip them and beat them with rods. You realize the judges got down, stripped them naked, and beat them until they were unconscious and bleeding. And when they afflicted, many blows upon them. They threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in to the inner prison, fastened their feet in the stocks, stripped off their rights. Jewish, yes, but Roman citizens, stripped naked by magistrates, beaten almost to the point of death with clubs, for what? Helping a kid? Right stripped, life unjust, not fair, chucked down in prison, no real trial, death row, murderers around them. Why? Why would God allow you to be treated that way? Why? And many of you feel like, Pastor Jim, I'm not in real prison, but something's imprisoned me. I've been trying to serve God, Pastor. Man, this year I tried so hard last year, but I didn't get that promotion. My job lied to me. My child hasn't come back yet. I thought my cancer was gone, but it's back. I've tried so hard to serve him. I thought if I served God, it would surely get better. Seemingly got worse. Little do you realize God has a principle called strategic ambush. You find it in 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 8. Paul said, we impart a secret. He is the wisdom of God. I'm going to add, this is the kind of wisdom that's so hidden we don't see it either. Which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. If Pilate would have realized what was going to happen on that cross. If the Pharisees would have realized that when they killed him, he was going to come back. If the demon spirits that accused and lied, Satan wouldn't have been laughing. If they would have understood it. If they had understood you can't always see God's plan 
they never would have killed him. What am I saying? There are times with your good deeds, there are times serving God where the Lord will allow the enemy to position you in the impossible, not for your destruction, but for his. There are times in the darkness, the battles you're facing where you serve God, part of a church that's planting churches across the country. I look at our larger every nation family, no church in North America is planting churches like this one. From Denver to Los Angeles to UVA, it just goes on and on. If you find yourself today, this is where you are. About midnight. You know what midnight is? Your new day has come. It's too dark to see. About midnight, Paul and Silas came to. Chained, manacled, brutally beaten, still bleeding. Paul came to. Silas kind of came conscious. They can't see anything. It's dark. Manacles cutting into their torn skin. Silas said, I ain't quite so sure you might have wanted to pray for her, brother. Maybe want to wait a different day. <laughs> Paul goes, oh, my God. He goes, I knew I thought something was going to happen, but I sure didn't expect this. When I invited him to church, I never thought what Monday would bring. When I made a stand to work, I never figured it. But Paul, Silas began to pray. They began to connect with the Holy Spirit. As they did, they began to realize, this our midnight hour. The devil didn't place us here. God did. And then a sound never heard in that prison before. They begin to sing hymns. They begin to worship. They begin to praise. It said, and the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners are going, aren't them the guys brought in naked? Weren't those the guys about bleeding to death, unconscious? What are they praising him for? How can they praise him in the face of injustice? How can they praise him when their promise is stripped away? How can they praise him when they got nothing they expected and were only serving him? We've never seen guys like this. How can they be worshiping? How can they be laughing? How in this hell forgotten? Just how? It's your darkest moments you have your greatest audience. When will my family listen when you praise him and it doesn't make sense? Who can't praise him promoted? Who can't praise him happy? Who can't praise him? But it wasn't just the earth that was listening. Heaven listened. God says, wait a minute. I've never heard that sound coming from that prison before. Angel said, that Paul and Silas. God said, what took them so long to praise? Well, they're beaten to their unconscious, Lord. Okay, that makes sense. They're praising me. God said, woo, I knew it. We got our gunpowder 
building the foundations. Oh my, they're praising me. Angel said, we didn't really know if they'd praise. Oh, God said, they're praising. The enemy thought he was destroying them in reality. I was positioning them. Oh, they're praising me. God said, whoa, is that praise I hear? Jesus said, that's it, Dad. I know it's hard to praise me. Poor old boys, they beat them back to death. They're a little wobbly, Daddy. You ever get in a hard time? God says, praise me. You go, it's easy up there. I'm down here. If you're like telling the Lord, Lord, you ain't lived down here as a human for a long while. Have you forgotten maybe how rough it is? They're just praising him. And all of a sudden, the power of God begins to churn. And all of a sudden, in the darkness of your health, in the darkness of your marriage, in the darkness of the job, in the darkness of a broken thing, all of a sudden, you're not praising him for what he's done because what he's done is snugly. Seemingly to you, you're praising him for what he is. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there was a great earthquake out of nowhere in your midnight hour. The new day has come, but it's dark. And there's an explosive shaking in your kids, in your body, in your life. Now, here's what's astonishing. Not just the foundation of your cell, but the foundation of your prison, your company, your community, your neighborhood, your family was shaken. Out of nowhere, suddenly, Things begin to shake. Your prison door opened, but every door opened. All of a sudden, you've allowed God to position your life to a place where your door doesn't just open. All the doors you've cried out about begin to open. Your manacles don't just fall out. Every manacle falls out. It was a jailbreak. Shook. The Romans government supermax prison. The revolutionaries, the zealots, shook it. The jailer knows he is done. He, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried, don't harm yourself, no one's left. No one's left. How could they not run? How could they not flee? Because for the first time in their life, they had tasted real freedom, even though they were imprisoned. We ain't running from this. We've never felt this presence. Man, I heard him sing. I felt kind of a, a, a tinge in me. They're stunned. The jailer falls down. What must I do to be saved? Believe. He was baptized. What's it take to light the fuse in your midnight hour? What's it take when you got the feeling the new day is come, but it's too dark to see? What's it take? Like what? Because I've been introducing you to one of the greatest weapons you'll ever receive. As a believer, the sacrifice of praise. 
You say, what's the sacrifice of praise? Praising him when it makes no sense. You see, the greater the sacrifice, the sweeter the savor. Praising him in spite of what you did not get. Praising him because he's worthy even if you don't understand it. Praising him because he hasn't seemed to come through, but he's still God and you know he will. You see, when you sacrifice praise to God, it creates something. Hebrews 13, 15, speaking to the Jewish believers who were beginning to go be persecuted, goods confiscated, through him. No, you can't give me animals anymore. But through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledges them. What is God saying? He's saying, when you sacrifice a praise to me, it creates something. Like in the Old Testament, when they give the best of their flock, when you sacrifice a praise, when it doesn't make sense, when the phone rings, they say, your wife's cancer has gone to her brain. I've been there. When there's no answer for a dying child, when you're laying dead in bed with your liver destroyed, I've been there. When there's no reason to praise, but you put down your burden and you lift up his name. It says in Hebrews 57, 18 through 19, I'll create the fruit of their lips. No, in Genesis 8, 20 through 22, ark finally came to a stop. Got out on the mountain assembly of Ararat. Got out. Water everywhere. Whole world gone. Gone. Seven humans left. I just said, man, Lord, thank you. Could you save maybe a few more? Lord, I wish we kept my favorite restaurant. <laughs> Noah gets out of the ark, gets the best animals and sacrifices them. Sacrifices them. It says, the Bible says, when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, said in his heart, I'll never again curse the ground. I'll always keep the seasons. How can God find me? Offer a sacrifice of praise. He cannot resist the aroma. He goes, I've never smelled that in prison before, Jesus. I've never quite found that smell in Chantilly. They've gone through a hard time. They're still praising me. Maybe they're serious. Daddy, I believe so. I've never, I never smelled that coming out of that home in Ashburn. Did we give them what we promised yet? No, Daddy. They're two years away. They're still praising? God can't resist the sacrifice of praise. And it is connective. It's why it says in Psalms 101 through 4, make a joyful noise of the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know he's God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. When Tiff and his great team are leading us, we go in someplace. We start out thinking we get into praising for who he is. We go right into his courts and connect with him. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, we got a big weakness. We don't know how to pray. Too much pain, too much hurt, too much clutter in our mind. But the Holy Spirit prays through us in prayers we don't even have words in our languages for. And we connect with him. You begin to praise. You stand in praise. Little do you know, you're lighting the fuse of your miracle. And a miracle in the lives of people you may not even know. Oh, it's constructive. 
The Bible says, build up your faith. Praying in the spirit. Philippians 4, 6, God gives one of those commands that just make you really frustrated. Never worry. How many of you hate that command? <laughs> never worry, Lord, when I get to heaven, like I'll never worry down here. I'm just a bit worried. Paul says, never worry, instead worship. God said, when you're anxious, cast down and despairing, don't worry through them, worship through them, because if you worship through them, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will flood your heart, flood your neurosystem, flood your mind, and guard you from stress. You see, when I begin to worship in the face of my fear, of which I have plenty, of my anxiety, of my stress, the only thing that will change about my crises, why I'm in here today, is how I feel about them. They may not change, and I have many of them. There are things in my life I'm not, really, like, I'm not naturally thankful for right now. But I'm going to praise him. Because when I praise him, I freshly connect with the Trinity, his peace and his joy and his love and his care floods into me. That's going to give me a neural jump because when you're loved on by God, it affects your oxytocin levels, your dopamine levels, your serapine levels. All these feel good, all these feel good chemicals begin to pulsate in you as you're worshiping. Then your psychological profile changes. I feel good. I feel confident. Nothing changed, but I see God. It'll correct you. Why do you think in Hebrews 12, 12 through 13, it says, lift them hands up, strengthen your knees, make straight paths for your feet so you won't be lame but healed. What is God saying? First move toward a new life is get those hands up. I surrender. I praise. You're worthy. Because the minute those hands you raise, your knees have the strength to walk right. Praise him. Do you realize the pit you despise is probably your greatest platform? Do you realize your family listens to you better when you're praising in a pit than praising on a mountaintop? Your kids are stunned when you're praising, yet they're breaking your heart. The lies. I know there are at least two of you being sued right now unfairly. One, you've been stripped of a product you really did try to develop. You're so mad. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. There's a wisdom hidden from you far greater than you. And God has placed you where you never wanted to be, allowed it to happen, that you might praise him and bring his power. Paul and Silas said, God, has Lord, we're praising you. We're praising you for this beating. We're praising you. We were stripped of our rights. We're praising you that we're in these stocks and in these manacles. Silas goes, oh, I feel something shaking. Is that my imagination? Paul said, that's the Holy Ghost. Begin to shake. The next morning, the magistrate sent the police saying, let these men go. The jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrate sent to let you go. Therefore, come out and go in peace. Paul said, oh, no. They beat us publicly. You remember that? Uncondemned? Oh, and we forgot to tell them we was Roman citizens. He didn't forget. He had a sense that being dragged into that hell was really a portal to heaven. Now they've thrown us into prison 
And they think they're going to let me out secretly. No. Let them come down here and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, the ones that had stripped them naked. And they were afraid when they heard they were Romans. So they came down. We're sorry, Sir Paul. Uh, you know, we just bad mistake, mistaken identity. We really do love Jewish people. I mean, we always have. They're our favorites. There were no body cams in those days, just Holy Ghost cams. He didn't have a body cam on, Pastor. had a Holy Ghost cam. That's worse. There is a judge. There is a final judge. So they apologize. Please forgive us, Brother Paul. We've always really loved Christians secretly. Oh, we love you and Silas. We're going to give you an award. Would you mind leaving our city sometime? Paul said, I wouldn't mind. I need to stay and preach a bit more. I need to go. Oh, oh, yes. Do you need a hotel? <laughs> when they'd seen the brothers, they departed. Many of you at the midnight hour. Shackled. Tackled. Not for sin. You've been trying hard. You've been worshiping. You've been serving. You feel put down in reality. You've been positioned for God's explosive power. What, what area? The very area you feel imprisoned in. Work, marriage, relationship, whatever it might be. Are you ready? Are you ready to put up a praise? If you're in the midnight hour and you need to praise, stand to your feet right now. Stand up. So I'm in the midnight hour, Pastor Jim. Oh, oh yes. We're going to put a praise up. Are we ready for this? I want you to identify what you need to praise over right now. I want you to identify that injustice. That thievery in your pain. That slight, that pain, that child, that body. I got three. I, I'm just trying to make up my mind which one to praise for. I may rotate them. <laughs> I want you to see him right now. And we're going to begin to praise God for who he is. We're going to praise God for what he said. And if it's a sacrifice, he cannot resist your savor. How's he going to find me? Praise him. He's praising me down there? He is, daddy. It took a while, but he's doing it. Jim LaFoon's praising me. He is daddy, and you're not eating him that cookies right now. He's still praising you. <laughs> Let's give God a giant clap off and begin to praise him. We praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we sacrifice praise. We sacrifice praise from out of our prison, out of our pain, out of our medical. We just sacrifice praise. 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 Oh, we sacrifice it. Oh, we sacrifice it. Oh, we sacrifice. We sacrifice praise. We just praise you. Oh, we praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you for my help. I praise you. Praise you for my pain. I praise you. Praise him again. Oh, praise him again. Praise him again. Worthy of all your praise. Worthy of all your sacrifice. Hallelujah. <laughs> Who 
God just found you. I want you to carry that praise home with you. Kathy and I pray every night before we go to bed. There's certain nights we just praise him through our needs. There's certain nights we stand in the face of a child we're worried about. We stand in the face of a health challenge. We stand in the face of another barrage. We pray. We sing. We praise him. Things begin to shake. Chains begin to break. Territory we soon take. Let's give him one more great clap. We praise him. Oh, we praise him. Oh, we praise him. Oh, we praise him.